Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others create their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, and in fact, many of our listeners who tune in every week are all of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Every five-star rating is appreciated, helps us help more business creators just like you. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes because you will get fresh content every single week with over 215 episodes to peruse as of today on a breadth and depth of topics. So today's episode is one I've been looking forward to doing for a while. And when this person came onto our radar screen and we had the opportunity to bring them on to Business Creators Radio Show, I pounced on it. The topic is how to stop asking referrals if you actually want to receive them. And anybody who's been following me for any length of time know that I have some pretty interesting thoughts on referrals, how people royally screw up making referrals on social media, um, how they give weak referrals that don't even count, how they give referrals that are too strong, how they ask for the wrong thing in exchange for referrals, how they offer the wrong thing uh, and promise referrals, how they use it as leverage to squeeze people for discounts. I could go on and on and on and on with what I like to call referral abuse. So I realized that to fight this war, I had to get some backup. And there's nobody out there who can back us better to get us better referrals than Stacy Brown Randall. And let me tell you a little bit about Stacy. She has one focus in life which is to help others avoid avoid business failure. She knows because she's been there, done that, and has the T-shirt. See, I had the T-shirt. I used it as a dust rag because they gave me another one. So I've been there. What Stacy learned when her first business failed and through years of researching successful businesses is now what is making all the difference with her current business's success, and she's sharing her secrets, some of which you'll learn today. Stacey's online programs and live coaching provide a blueprint to follow to take control of your referrals, your client experience, and your business or let, or book a business. Stacey is a contrarian. Oh, I love that. A contrarian. When it comes to typical referral advice, think about that. Stop asking referrals if you actually want to receive them. That's contrarian. And she believes the best way to unleash a referral explosion is to do it without asking for referrals. And she has results to prove it. I'm excited about this because I don't want to ask for referrals. I just want to get them. Stacey's a three-time entrepreneur, certified productivity and time efficiency coach, has a background in sales and marketing, and is an aspiring author. Stacey receives her master's in organizational communication, is married with three kids, a nine-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter. She and her husband also have the privilege of raising their 10-year-old nephew. Stacey, welcome aboard. Come on in. The weather's fine. Thank you so much, Adam, for having me. I am looking forward to this conversation and for us having some fun. I hope we can squeeze it all in in an hour because this is going to be very fast-paced, and I'm going to advise all of our listeners, if you're listening live, subscribe to us on iTunes so you can get this recording. If you're listening to the recording, 
be prepared to go back and listen to it a couple times because we're going to give you a lot of great information. But before we dive in, what I'd like to do for those of our listeners who are just getting to know who Stacy is, uh, Stacy, we read off your very impressive official bio. What we'd like to do is just ask a little bit more about your personal journey and what within that has brought you to the intersection of brilliance and passion from which you serve business creators today. Yeah, so you know it's interesting. What has me here today talking with you and your listeners is a big old fat business failure. And nice. it was all, yes, right? And you know what I have learned over the years is that this is a, um, I'm in very good company, and unfortunately it's a very crowded club with lots of members, unfortunately. <laughs> but I am in some good company. And what I learned through that business failure and, and this wasn't a company that failed after, like, you know, nine months or 18 months. But we made it, you know, over four years. We were heading to the five-year mark when this business failed. And what I learned was that at the end of the day, I learned some very key pieces, of course. But at the end of the day, the one piece of advice that I learned that I had to carry forward if any of my businesses were going to be successful moving forward was that I had to figure out a way to touch business development every day. But here is the key piece to that, Adam. I've got to enjoy it, to be honest. I really do have to enjoy it to be willing to do it. So I had to figure out a way to be able to actually generate a pipeline of new clients coming in the door in a way that would work for me, in a way that I was willing to do. Because you don't get to just, you know, drum up some business for the first month and then it's going to sustain you for the next year or two years or whatever. You really have to be willing to keep at it. And you have to be willing to find something, you know, that obviously doesn't overwhelm you, but that you enjoy doing so that you're willing to do it. And above all else, it better produce results. And so that was my big, I mean, I had a lot of lessons, but that was my big, huge lesson learned from that business failure is you've got to touch business development every day. So when I looked at all the sales and business development activities that I could be doing, and most businesses will always have a couple of them, the one I landed right. on that felt the best for me, right, was referrals. So, like anybody else, I'm like, okay, great. Let's learn about how we get referrals. Like, that, that seems great for me, this whole idea of a referral, right? And what I realized is, is that there's a lot of different definitions of referrals out there, and when you really understand the true definition, then you're like, yes, that's what I want. I want that type of referral. When I realized that all the advice out there said, yes, it's very easy to get referrals, just ask, my initial reaction was, wait, wait a minute. No, that feels like a cousin to a cold call, but I have to go ask for a referral. There's got to be a better way. And so that's what I set out to figure out. And as I started my second business, when there was a Back to Corporate America stint between my first business failure and starting my second business, what I realized in that um, stint was is that I needed to figure out a way to make referrals work for me. And so when I launched my second business, I had a system, and I was like, all right, let's see if this works. Business failure number two is not an option, so let's try some things. And what I realized over time, and then as I started teaching other people, it's just a process and a system that as long as you follow it and you keep it going, don't think it's a one-hit wonder, but you're in it for the long-term sustainability, you truly can build a business based on referrals. And in my first year, um, when I was with my second business, right, in my first year alone, following this new process to generate referrals, I did 100 and, I have received 112 referrals, and I did not ask for any of them. And every year since, I've hit triple-digit referrals, over 100 year in and year out. And then, of course, my clients started having success, too. And that's when I realized that, yeah, this is actually a different way of looking at referrals. You can ask if you want to, 
But if you don't want to, there is a different way. And in my opinion, I think it's a better way. I don't want to ask for referrals. I just want referrals given to me. And I'm going to get my mini rant out of the way here. Uh, here are some of the things I see when it comes to referrals. And uh, some of our listeners will probably recognize at least one of the above. You're just going about your business, and next thing you know, your direct inbox lights up on Facebook, and you find you've been thrust into this group conversation between you, a friend of yours, and this stranger you'd never met before, where you're being forced into an introduction with somebody. Now, I have written articles and multiple articles about how this is a business killer. There are so many ways that somebody can screw that up. Like, let's say, uh, Stacy, uh, you know, I wanted to introduce you to a friend of mine because I thought there'd be a referral, and I just, you know, just opened up a group chat without even running this by you first and put you in a room with some guy named Ziggy and said, hey, you guys work it out. Uh, think about how that could be good and how that could be bad. But I found that a lot of people get repelled by it, and it's, been, it's a rant that I hear over and over again. And I'm going to ask your thoughts on all these, by the way, Stacey. Another is uh, where you have somebody who approaches you and says, hey, I was wondering if you could uh, give me some discounts and some extras now. And if everything works out well between us, I'd be willing to refer my entire mastermind group to you. Now, my first thought when I hear that is, Tell you what, how about if you send me some referrals now, and if those work out, maybe we can work out some friends and family discounts down the line, because, you know, I like to test the water, so I like to flip that one around. And then the third issue I find with referrals is where somebody says, well, here's three you could consider, which is weak, sad, pathetic. If you ask me, that's not what I call a strong referral. So what I'd like to do now before we ask question number one is, Stacey, in my little mini rant there, what comes up for you? So some of this is the same things that I hear from folks uh, specific to what they don't like and what they wish could be different about referrals. I always find that how well a referral works for you has a lot to do with the setup from your referral source, and there is a time and a place to make sure that you are getting the correct setup. There, I, I'm actually, when I tell folks when you should be going after the correct setup, it, most people don't expect it because it's the opposite of what they think I would say, but, you know, there's a time and a place to really make sure you're getting the right setup. Um, but there's so many things to do before then to just get your referral sources in the habit of referring you. That is something I would tell folks right. we need to focus in on. And then the other thing would be is, get, you know that whole like um, paying for referrals? And that's basically what that discount first, the kickback kind of, hey, give me a discount and then I'll give you some referrals. I can't stand that right. because what people don't pay attention to is you, you just commoditize our relationship and I don't refer based on a commodity. I refer because I think you can solve a problem of someone that I know that they have. And that has nothing to do yeah. with making this beneficial for you. Yeah, you know, and what I've also found, and I used to, you know, because I grew my first business. I, I've had a couple of businesses myself. My first one I grew basically by paying for referrals, or I think it was something like 10%. It was something like that. Now, first of all, I'm very leery, based on my own experiences, to recommend that anybody offer referral commissions for services provided by humans. I mean, it's one thing if it's a software or it's an information product where your fixed costs are basically sunk. But when you're talking about human beings and variables based on customized projects, it's just very difficult to do. Now, what I kept running into is if I was sent a referral and I didn't take that client on because I thought they were 
how do I put this diplomatically, a freaking Lulu, uh, I would hear from my referral partner, and they would actually say things to me like, how am I supposed to earn commissions if you won't work with my people? They would say stuff to me like that. And then there, and I would find this, uh, there was this one person who kept grazing around my business that had already maybe been a client and you know, it's not somebody we really wanted in our customer family, but it seemed like everybody was trying to refer this person to me, and they were all hoping for the uh, the kickback. Uh, you know, let's just use that term. It was a kickback. And a couple times I got approached by referral partners who might have been responsible for maybe two of the clients in my business, but they would find out that I had other clients, and they knew like six of my other clients, and they would come up with arguments that I literally owed them commissions on every single one of my clients because they knew this person from way back when. And because we happened to be at the same room at the same time at some point, that it was a referral. Uh, no, but I kept having to go through this. <laughs> so I got to a point where I actually went to all my referral partners and said, you know what, we're full. I, I'm sorry, I actually cannot take on anymore right now because we're completely full and we're completely booked until next spring. So I don't want to disappoint anybody i will tell you when i turn the faucet back on thank you let me know if i can do anything for you i was very gracious about it but the fact was is i just didn't want to deal with it anymore i decided i was going to use my own mechanisms to go get my own clients and that's part of why i brought you on here today stacy is because uh what i fell a little bit short on when i followed that new model of i'll do it myself is i didn't have referrals automatically coming to me without me having to ask for them. So I ended up having to do some scrambling. I mean, I got the first half right, but then I didn't have the follow-through plan. So that's where we need you. Right, absolutely. And I would say, you know, definitely there are people out there who that is their mentality of getting the kickback, so to speak, for providing referrals. And those that are also very comfortable with asking and, you know, getting the kickback and stuff. And I would say that what I teach is the complete opposite of that. And, you have to ha- you have to come at it from the right mindset for what I teach to work. And for some people, it feels like I've got to do more work up front, not knowing what's going to come out of it. But if you do the right things and you follow the right process and you use the right language, you will kind of you know reap those benefits. Um, but it is it's putting yourself out there first by giving to other people and not expecting anything in return. And that's how this thing called social economy, the social currency economy, actually works and that we should be operating right. in it in that way. But for some people, to be honest, and I'm sure, Adam, on some level you run into people like this, they want it to happen now, so they go looking for the thing that will get them closest to the sale now, which is I'll pay you if you can go get me right. some people, right? But the reality of it is, is that opens up, as you found out, a whole can of worms and issues that you then have to deal with that takes away from fundamentally why someone should want to refer you. And they should want to refer you because you're the guy, right? You're the one that can solve the problem, not because they are making money on it. Because I'll tell you what that always does to me. When I find out, like, when people tell me, they're like, yeah, so, you know, people want to kick back. And I'm like, imagine being the person being referred to you. And then they found out that they had a problem and they hired you because, you know, their buddy Frank told them to, right? To them, Frank is the good friend helping them. Right, was, hey, you found Adam for me. Thank you so much. I have this problem. You found Adam for me. Thank you. How would Frank feel then if it actually just turns out that, you know, your buddy was getting a kickback on your problem or your pain? It makes it an you entirely know, different environment. Yeah, it, it very well could be. And you have some people who are enlightened enough to say, 
well, you know, that makes sense. Uh, you know, Frank likes Adam, and, and of course he's going to refer him because he does great work, and if Adam sends him a little bit of money, well, you know, that just greases the wheels. You have a minority of people, I think, that are going to take that view, but the majority are going to take it as you say, which is, okay, so how valid was this really? I mean, was, was I just literally right. sold? Exactly. I mean, and you're right. There are times when a kickback or a commission on a referral is actually okay, but it's very narrow. And where it's okay is, is that it's typically customary within your industry. So this happens a lot in the real estate industry. One realtor will refer another realtor a client, and if that client buys, the referring realtor will get, um, you know, a percentage of the commission themselves, right? It happens a lot in online businesses. Hey, you're an affiliate, right? There's an affiliate link here. If you click on that, I will be compensated, right? So there's sometimes where it's customary. But the biggest thing about those are is it's always disclosed. I should never be left right. guessing that this is what's happening. I should know as the person who's about to be referred, who may be buying somebody's service or product, I should know going in that that's the relationship. And let's be honest, Adam, I bet and you may not have been this case, but a lot of people who do the kickback things, they don't want to tell the person they're referring that that's what's happening. They never mention right. it. And they don't always mention it to be, you know, like completely, you know, unethical. It just they know it's easier if they don't have to mention it to make it happen. Right. And that's where I have issues with it. That's where I think we start commoditizing the relationship. And if you want to disclose it, it's customary in your industry and you want to disclose it by all means, right? But outside of that, then we have to be really careful about, what that looks like in terms of commissions and kickbacks. And I loved your analogy of it's one reason why software referral pack programs work really well for software-based programs. Like there's a reason why, you know, Evernote and Dropbox and all those out there can get tons of referrals and pay money because you're right, it's to a software with fixed costs. But you're right, right it's completely different when it goes to a human. Yeah, precisely, because, I mean, with Dropbox, I mean, they uh... – I mean, the only increments they have is as they get more customers, they have to lease more server space, or they may need to hire a couple more employees to handle the load. If you have an information product, and that information product is housed inside a membership site, your only actual fixed cost per unit are going to be the average amount of streaming that happens based on uh, the consumption rate of each one of your members. Other than that, your membership site is what it is. I mean, maybe every couple years you overhaul it. Uh, that's a couple thousand dollars. Uh, you have a hosting charge. You have uh, a domain charge. But outside of that, it pretty much is what it is. Uh, and as far as human beings with a membership site, usually the biggest thing that a human being has to do is over and over again, uh, sorry you had that trouble. Here's your username and password again. <laughs> Which is completely different from a service place a service-based business where you're my financial advisor, you're my realtor, you're my CPA, you're my attorney, you're going to be my marketing consultant, right. you're going to be my business coach, right? You're going to build my house, you're going to decorate my house. Like, all of those people are not software, right? And so the referral right. to, to your example, a human, right, the reality is, is the reason why I refer you to that human is more than the reason why I would refer you to a software. Because all I know about a software is that it works, and when there's a problem, they fix it. And that's all I have to care about. But referring you to a right. human where there's a lot of room for error, right, I've got to truly trust their processes, their ability to deliver, and that there's a right person for you. There's a lot more to it that goes into a referral to somebody, say, you know, it's more in a service-based industry than something that's more software-based. And so that referral to a human is one of the reasons why you can't ask for them and you can't pay for them 
because you're literally going against why they were full and actually happening. And I think that's the piece that most people miss when they start paying attention to wanting referrals is that they assume the referral is happening for them. You have nothing to do with the referral happening except for the fact you happen to be able to solve the problem. So the fact that you're getting new business is just bonus. The real um, player, so to speak, in a referral process is the referral source and the person who has the problem. And so what you need to make sure you're never violating is the trust that the, the new prospective client, you have to make sure you're not violating the trust that new prospective client has for the referral source because the referral right. source is transferring the trust they have for you to them. When there's a trust-based um, dynamic involved, which is, as to your point, involved with humans, not with really with software, that's where you have to protect it, which means you can't ask, you can't pay, you can't make it an expectation of doing business, and at the end of the day, you have to understand how to do it correctly so that it works. But there's got to be a process and a system that you follow so you can generate more of them because you're not going to pay, you're not going to give a kickback, you're not going to ask, and you're not going to say, hey, to do business with me, you've got to give me referrals. Because that's all, through, all, all of those reasons, in my opinion, is just ludicrous as to why a referral even happens. Right. Right. Very, yeah, very true. And um, there's uh... – some other things that just came into my mind, I think I alluded to these a little bit earlier, is you see when folks develop a referral source and it's like it's the leader, somebody, somebody who has a mastermind or somebody who has a coaching program where they end up starting to refer all the people in the coaching program. Now, I find that there are two problems with that approach. I mean, it's a great way to get a lot of clients in the door very quickly, but actually there's three things you have to remember. All those referrals that are coming to you are probably coming from somebody else. Because before you came along and were the solution to everybody's problem in that mastermind group, somebody else is the solution to everybody's problem in that mastermind <laughs> group. So you're probably replacing somebody first up. Second, second is what happens if there's somebody in that group that you just don't want to work with? And then they decide to whine about it. Or let's say that uh, there's a case where you take on somebody who's a client, in that, you know, is a client from that group. And, you know, human-based services, not everything goes perfectly. And then next thing you know, you have to not only explain to you that one client, but all their friends in the mastermind why that thing happened. There's that. And then, uh, and then there's the expectation that I see in many cases that you'll conform to a set of standards that may not necessarily be your own business standards, where you'll have your referrer say to me, well, you know, I kind of kind of am the boss of you because I just gave you a third of your clients. Is that how you want to run your business? Right. You know, it's. Yeah, so, I think that mentality is such a dangerous place for people to land because, like, as, as you figured out, getting out of that it can be harder and messier than you would ever imagine. Right. Precisely. So I'm not putting down necessarily all these different ways of getting referrals. And I'm not saying that I don't have any gratitude for um, all the, you know, results I've gotten from using these strategies in the past, because some of those clients were great clients and some of them are still with us. So don't get me wrong that I'm, uh, you know, going out and uh, taking a baseball bat to my business's entire past history. <laughs> that is definitely not the case. But what I'm doing here in kind of a dramatic way is pointing out some of the pitfalls to that strategy of needing to uh, do active work to get referrals and have to have to ask for referrals 
and get us in the mindset for what we're actually going to cover today, which is how to stop asking referrals if you actually want to receive them. So enough about me. Let's talk about me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, why, <laughs> Stacey, do you believe, given everything we've discussed so far and everything you plan to share with us, that if you ask, have to ask for referrals, you're doing it all wrong? So I think at the heart of why asking for a referral is wrong is because you're putting the focus on the wrong person. If you truly understand the psychology and the human dynamic behind why a referral happens, and I want to pause here for a moment and just make sure we all understand the definition of a referral because sometimes we think something is a referral that's not. But if you are focused on truly understanding why a referral happens, you understand that it's not about you and it's actually about the person who has a problem and the person who knows that you happen to be the one who can solve it. And so when you pay attention to the relationship that's happening between the prospective new client and the referral source, your job as the beneficiary of that new work, of that new client, is to protect that at all costs. Because when the referral source feels protected and feels like that you do the right things in that regard, they're more likely to give you more referrals. Now, there's things we need to do to move that along, and there's language we want to use to help that along as well. But you know, at the end of the day, and that language does not include asking at all, you have to understand the heart of a referral is truly understanding what's at stake and who's involved and who matters and who doesn't matter. And who matters the most is the referral source. And next is the prospective new client. And who matters the least is actually you as a service provider. And that's exactly how you should want it, right? It's not about you. And when I ask, I make it about me. And so when I talk about this, though, I always want to make sure people are really clear on what a referral is because what I find is that people think word-of-mouth buzz or an introduction or a warm lead is the exact same thing as a referral. And those are four very different sales lingo terms, right? I mean, just they, they all are different in their own way. And what a referral has that those other three are is actually lacking, that they're actually lacking is, is that a referral has the personal connection has been made and the need has been identified. So the referral source personally connects you with the person who actually has a problem, but they've talked about the fact the person has the problem and that you're the, provi- you're the solution, right? So the need's been identified when they're making the connection or usually before they're making the connection. So they set you up correctly. And it's, it's okay that it happens over an email. It doesn't need to happen any other way because that person understands as a referral source what you do so they know whose problems you can actually solve and whose you can't. And they'll get it wrong from time to time, and that's fine. That's not a big deal. But it's that whole idea of making sure that the connection is made and the need has been identified. And the other three terms, word of mouth buzz, an introduction, or one lead are missing one of those two pieces. So a lot of times people will say, well, you know, I'm getting, these, I'm getting referrals, and I'm like, great, how many? And they're like, well, I don't really know. I just know people have told me that they've talked about me to other people, and those people are going to follow up with me. I'm like, that is not a referral. That is just word of mouth buzz because you're, no, you're not in the driver's seat of being able to decide and determine, can you help the person who's been referred to you? And that's a really critical part of the whole process is you figuring out if you can help them, and which then, of course, whether you can or can't, you have to handle that correctly, that allows your referral source to say, hey, I'm going to keep referring because that actually went really well. Right. Yeah, and, and see, this is, where, this is where 
we're already starting to draw the difference here because you're talking about the human aspect of the connection when we come to a referral versus the kickback uh, aspect of it. So we're already making a big transition from commission-based referrals to connection-based referrals, I guess is the language to use here. And when we think about that human connection and the fact that we're solving a problem versus we're trying to get our 10%. Exactly. It's all about the trust and the connection, to your point, not the kickback or commission. Right. Precisely. So that already warms my heart. So if we're not asking (laughs) for referrals, what are we doing to generate them? So it's really interesting. When you kind of get to the heart that I just talked about of understanding what you're ultimately after, which is a need being identified and a connection being made, you kind of have to back up from that. That's the end result, right? That's what we ultimately want, and then we want that repeated over and over and over again. But you got to back up, and you got to take, you know, the 30,000-foot view before you can hone in on the one-foot view and understand, like, what it takes to cultivate that from happening or cultivate that to happen, excuse me. And so when I work with either people in my online program or in a VIP uh, session with me, what I tell them is is that there's about five steps that we need to go through and that we need to make sure we're following these five steps. And that, and ultimately what we're building on the back end is a wash, rinse, repeat model that we may be making some changes to and making some tweaks to so it's not a carbon copy, but this process is something we want to do year in and year out. And when you think about your referral generation as one of your sales strategies, as one of your business development tactics or activities that you're doing, right, the goal is is to do this over time so that it can become as big a piece of that pie, of that sales development, that sales activity pie. I want to make referrals as big of a piece as possible, right? It may not be the whole pie for everybody, but I want to make it as big as as possible, which means you got to follow a process. And those five steps are pretty simple, right? And number one is you better know who's referring you. You really need to know who is actually referring you. And what I tell this to people, there's one of two reactions. There is, well, I'm pretty sure I know, or I have no idea. <laughs> right. And I always tell people, okay, so let's unpack that, right? Like, you're pretty sure you know, which means what you are telling me is is that you remember the last couple of referrals you received. But what I'm talking about, if you've been in business four years or 14 years, do you know all of the clients that were referred to you? And do you know the names of those referral sources? So what I want is you to be able to identify who your referral sources are. I call it, step one is called ID and the who. But for some people, they don't have referral sources. So it's identifying who's the ideal referral source, who should be referring you, and making sure we understand who those people are. And it is not 100% of your clients, and it is not 100% of your network. Right? It's that old 80-20 right. rule. Right? I typically tell folks, aim for the 20 to 30% of people you know who will refer you, whether that's out of your clients, the 20 to 30%, or it's out of your network, the 20 to 30%, which I refer to that group as more of like our centers of influence. And it's really honing in on those people. And most people, what they're so surprised about is I say, you don't need hundreds of referral sources. You're going to need dozens, more than likely, depending on the volume of referrals you need. But if I had, you know, 20 referral sources, each giving me three or four referrals a year, depending on what my business can handle, I may not need any more than that. That may be more than I can handle. Right? So, you're kind of paying attention to this as it's not a magic number we're hitting, but there's a magic number for you. It's just subjective to what that number is. But the first step is you've got to know the who. You've got to know who's referring you now or who should be referring you. And once you know who's referring you, the next step is making sure you have an immediate thank you follow-up process. It amazes me how many people when I'm like, hey, you got a referral. Did you write a handwritten note? They're like, uh, I sent an email. 
I sent him a text message. I'm like, that does not count. I know that's easy for you. I know it made you feel good because you did something immediately. But immediately oh, yeah. is not the same <laughs> level of, right? I mean, immediately is not the same level of importance as taking time to truly think, which you can only do in a handwritten note. Yeah, very, yeah, very, very true, very true. So uh, now you uh, told me in the green room about something called H2H sales, and I thought it was very intriguing. So what does that mean? Let's define it for our audience. And why are the sure. people in what we call H2H sales best served by referrals? Perfect. So, yeah, let, I'll definitely address that because I think that kind of talks about who this process is for. And then I can um, keep going with step three through step five of, like, what this process looks like. So that's a great question. So H2H stands for human-to-human or handshake-to-handshake. And I truly believe that the people who should be generating a large majority um, of their business by referrals are those that are in H2H sales. So it is the human aspect. It's the person where my client has to know, like, and trust me before they're going to do business with me. I don't need to know, like, or trust anybody at Amazon before I'm going to go buy a book or anything else on that website, right? But if I'm going to make the decision that you're going to help me solve my business problems as my business consultant or my business coach or marketing consultant, or you're going to be my financial advisor and I'm going to let you manage my money or build my house, which can be one of the biggest investments I make, right? All those different things that people do, there's a relationship that has the ability to take hold, because there's a trust that is truly um, given between the two parties involved. So when I'm making the decision to hire you, I'm trusting you as a human, not your brand, not your business. It's the you behind the company. And that's who I'm putting my trust into, and that's who I'm hiring. So when you are in that type of sales environment, whether, you know, I say sales environment because business owner or not, you're in sales. Um, when you're in that type of environment of how clients come to you, is because they know, like, and trust you. They're more likely to become a client faster if they are referred to you. And so if you're in right. H2H sales, right, if your business is built on relationships and trust before a client says yes, then you should be developing, you should be, excuse me, receiving referrals, and you should be developing a way to do that. And if not, that's typically a red flag for me. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and, that, and that's something to think about is um... – you know, everybody talks about know, like, and trust. And in my business, I call it the website conversion conversation, just so I'm not saying know, like, and trust like everybody else. But really, that's the comp- <laughs> those are the components of it. But, um, yeah, and that's, some, that's something that I share, actually, and this may be relevant for our conversation, Stacey, is uh, I have gotten up on stages and I've been on other people's podcasts and I've even said on the Business Creators Radio Show that the very last thing that anybody – should need or even want in their business is traffic to their website. And then you hear this pause. And <laughs> if I'm in a room, people are staring at me like I, like I just said that uh, the world is flat, although, believe it or not, there are people in this world who actually now think the world is flat. But those are the, <laughs> those are the reactions I get. But then I let the pause go, and I say, let's think about this. What is traffic? Traffic is the reason that I work from a home office. Traffic is many more vehicles being forced onto the same roadway than that roadway was designed for and people getting mentally defeated even before they arrive at the office in the morning. A website, what is a website? 
Is that a sales page? Is that a blog page? Is that a podcast page? Is that an about page, a contact page? Uh, is that a, an FAQ page? Is it a home page? Is it a privacy policy page? All of these things can be websites, and a website can contain all these things. What we want and need in our businesses are visitors to our web pages, visitors to our web pages, not traffic to our website, visitors to our web pages who are pre-qualified, prepped, and pumped, the three Ps of website conversions. See what I did there? Everybody mm -hmm. else is talking about traffic to your website, traffic to your website, traffic to your website. And I simply redefined the terms. Now, when you have the ability to take something that everybody else is saying and redefine it and put your own meaning into it, how does that impact the ability to get referrals without asking for them? Well, I think that's probably one of the reasons why you would be referable. Right? I mean, at the end of the day, people yeah. have to remember who you are to be able to refer you. And they have to know that whatever it is you preach, right, whatever it is that you sell, whatever it is that you deliver, what your solutions are, that they are going to meet the need of the person they're referring to you. And in some cases, it makes you easier to remember to refer. But at the end of the day, people only refer because they think you can solve somebody else's problem that they know somebody has. And I think right. that when you make it easy on people to remember who you are, right, it, it certainly helps keep you top of mind, which is definitely one of the one of the things we want to do. And we're not, I'm not, I don't care about staying in touch with my referral sources. I want to stay top of mind with my referral sources, and there is a difference. And I think when you do that, um, and part of that is, is giving them a message that is one that they can remember and deliver, it certainly allows them to remember you in a context when somebody needs the type of work that you do. So, I mean, I think that's, you know, a good strategy. Right, so the ability to be distinguished among those 25 other people that are all talking about the exact same thing, even though what you do is substantially the same, uh, albeit with your own philosophies and tactics, uh, it helps you stand out from the, the marketplace. Uh, this, is something that, uh, this is something that Alan Weiss teaches people. I've been to a couple of his presentations, and uh, one of the most memorable things that Alan Weiss, I've ever heard him say, is you want to be number one in your market, just rename it and move over a couple steps. Now you're number one. <laughs> he, may, he may phrase it somewhat differently, but it's just the idea of renaming and rebranding, and now you're the only person doing it. Yep, absolutely. It definitely certainly makes you more memorable. Yes. Yeah, so as we uh, you know, talk about this client experience and the personal connection, what are the three parts to the client experience that you have to plan for? Sure. So, you know, one of the things I always assume that people get before they, you know, start working with me or that they start paying attention to the stuff that I teach, I always make the assumption that they understand they have to be referable. And I always remind myself, wait, stop, pause, back up. Some people actually miss that step. You know, one of the reasons why people may not be receiving referrals is, is that their client experience is choppy. And if your client experience is choppy, whereas I may not leave your service or product because it's too difficult, I feel like it's too difficult to leave, I certainly won't refer anyone to you. And so I always assume right. people know that, of course, you have to be referable. Of course, you have to do work that is worthy of being referred. And so that's obviously a key piece. But uh -huh. what people don't understand is, yeah, but what people don't understand is, is like, well, how does that manifest itself and what I, how I do and how I run my business and how I take care of my clients? And that's where I teach people about the sticky client experience. 
And what I'm telling folks about the sticky client experience is I would say it makes your clients come back to you if what you offer can be repeated, but it also sets you up to receive referrals because what I feel as a client is an experience that I went through with you, and there's two parts to it, but as the business owner, what I'm providing you with this experience is just a process that I'm following so that I can deliver this experience. So it makes it a process for me so I can keep it going and I can manage it, but what you feel on the other side is that experience. And it comes back to that my Angelo quote that says, um, I've learned that I, people may not remember what you say, they won't remember what you do, but they'll definitely remember how you make them feel. I'm sure I butchered that slightly, but that was you know, the basic point of that of her quote is people remember how you make them feel and you make them feel a way to right. experience. Most of us focus on what we do for our clients on the work that we do. That's one part of the equation. The second part of the equation is not just the work touch points when you're doing the work for them. It's the relationship that you're building throughout the process. And so if you've got the work part down and you build in the relationship piece, right, that creates a truly sticky client experience. And when you kind of think about how those parts work together, right, and you're thinking about, okay, I'm building a relationship, I'm doing great work, right, I'm building a relationship, that's what makes me worthy to be referred, and that's what makes people want to refer me. And again, we don't just get referrals from our clients, but just using this as the example, right, then I'm positioning myself to potentially actually receive referrals. But that doesn't mean 100% of our clients will refer us. I mean, the reality is, is I teach people how to get referrals in their business, how to receive referrals in their business. And there are people that are my clients that I'm teaching this stuff to that never refer to me because I just know that's kind of how the dynamic works. But I focus in on the 20 or 30% that will refer me, and then I put them through a process that I know I am staying top of mind, I'm being memorable and meaningful, and I'm focused on them, never on me, and that it's a process we go through, but it's an experience that they get to feel. So you should have a client experience in your business, but you should also have a referral experience in your business as well, which is just the plan you follow for your referral sources. Client experience, everybody gets. Right? Referral experience, only those that refer you actually receive it. And so when you think about that, the difference between those two, it's important to understand that a client experience, everybody receives. And you've got to make sure you've got a client experience that focuses when they're new, right, when they're in the heart of doing the work with you and when the work ends, or like a CPA, the work may never end because you want to do their tax return every year, right, that ongoing right. stage. So there are these stages that we focus in on the client experience make sure we're referable, but it is separate from that referral experience that we would give to only some of our clients, those that actually refer us. Right. That's, that, that, that is very true. And, you know, you made the point earlier that just because somebody is a client of yours doesn't mean you want the birds they flock with. And I've been in those situations myself where I've had clients that I absolutely loved working with, but I really did not want the referrals they were sending for reasons that are beyond the scope of this call. And, but I know this is something I've also heard from a lot of other folks. That just because I love you doesn't mean I love your friends. Uh, nature of the beast. That's just the way it is. Uh, just like uh, you know, just like we have people that we can think of as being great potential business allies, where we support each other in the marketplace, uh, or, or maybe we even do business uh, like we purchase these other products or things like that. But as far as rendering services to each other, we're just too far removed. So you have to leave room for that as well. And, uh, and I'm also capable of referring somebody that I would actually never work with myself, not because I think they're bad, but actually because I think they're good for a certain type of person or a certain type of business. 
they don't match my style, that doesn't mean they're not excellent. Right, absolutely, because not everybody's a fit for everybody. Right? I mean, at the end right. of the day, that is, you know, that, that is the, the positive part of doing business is, is that there is enough business out there for all of us. We have to figure out who is right for us, and you have to be very clear on that. And, you know, I have people who will come to me and they'll say, you know, I do get referrals from people that are not the right fit, and I don't know how to tell them to stop. And I said, well, here's the thing. I'm not interested in you telling them to stop referring you unless you've done a, a couple of key pieces, which is have a conversation with them to see if you can let them know who your ideal client is, right? And we don't use that language because the client sitting across from you will look at you and be like, what? Right? Like nobody wants – like we all have ideal clients in our businesses, but no one wants to believe we've been put into boxes in other people's businesses, right? So the truth is is that we have developed the right type of language to go to somebody and say, you know, if you are receiving referrals that you don't want, like how can you shift that, right? And at the end of the day, maybe it's not turning off the spigot completely, right, but it's making sure that you have a very specific response and referrals come in and how you manage that so you're not wasting a ton of time. And, you know, and right. the reality is that, that all comes down to understanding the language. And I always tell folks, you know, in my process, the language piece um, is really the secret sauce. It's the what we say because we're not asking and we're definitely not paying and so what do we say to kind of plant the referral seed? And that kind of comes up in step three of the process. Like I talked about, first step is identifying the who, and the second step is, you know, making sure you have an immediate thank you follow-up process. And the third step is making sure you're using the right language with the outreach you're doing. And that outreach we build out over a 12-month schedule so we can manage it, right? It's using the right language. And there's lots of different language we could possibly need, right? It's, yes, it's in our outreach, but it's also in our meetings when we meet with someone who's been referred to us or someone who's not referring us to the right people. Like, that language is really important. And then, of course, once you know who's referring you and you have an immediate thank you follow-up process and you now have this plan that you've built, I refer to it as the referral generating plan of what you're going to do yeah. for your referral sources, then step four is really easy. We just need to automate it. And I don't, when I say automate it, I don't necessarily always mean using software or technology. Sometimes it's just having a plan in place and we know when we're going to do what and the steps we're going to take so that we actually get it done, right? We actually execute on this plan. It doesn't just sit on the – it's not that we build it and then it goes up to a report on some shelves that we'll never look at again. And when we pull it out a year later, I have a bunch of dust on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so – then the fifth step is, is that we track and measure our results to make sure we're having the success that we want. Like, it's, none of the process is complicated, but if all you've ever heard is you got to ask, you got to pay for referrals, you got to, you know, do those kind of things, I always tell folks what I offer is just a different complement to it that may or may not work for you. But you've got to, to our conversation, you've got to have some few key pieces in place, like being referable and the unwillingness or being willing not to ask but being willing to do some work so that you can actually see some results. Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to tell a little, a, a brief story here about the best referral partner I've ever had. And this is still one of my best refers. I mean, I don't even take on a lot of clients anymore because I'm very fortunate to have the type of business where I just don't have to chase clients. So even this referral partner understands that a lot of the people that he wants to refer to me, I can't or won't take on just because I'm fortunate to have that type of business and I don't want to expand in that direction. I want to use this as a springboard to expand in a different direction in 2018, which is a perfectly appropriate way to do business. So what would happen was, is I uh, used to be, I was a uh, in his affiliate program 
And so I would refer people to him. And then uh, he would study every single one of his incoming transactions. And um, and uh, he would determine whether or not this was actually a referral or whether just somebody clicked on a link somewhere. Uh, he also had situations where like five people were trying to refer the same person. You get the idea. So I would keep referring people to his business. And I would think, okay, this is the one where I'm going to earn some referrals. Dagnabbit. I spent a month with this person. I said, go over to see my friend, and they did it, and they spent money. So, dagnabbit, I'm getting my commission. And he would come back and say, no, I've actually been friends with them for five years, and I was the one to close the deal. And I would hear the same theme over and over again. And finally, I said to him, good-naturedly, but still pressing the point, like, dude, you just don't want to pay affiliate commissions, do you? And what happened is that led to us very quickly having a discussion where we decided that we didn't, we just didn't need to leave money, have money in it. We agreed that we would be allies in the marketplace. That when I send people his way, he'd do a good job. When he sends people my way, I'll do a good job. And we would just support each other. And we determined that we would end up making more money together, just being allies in the marketplace. And I got to tell you, I believe that's true. I mean, I've done some rough calculations on the mathematics and the probabilities and what little I know about any of this stuff, but because uh, I'm not much with math, but I figured out that uh, looking at just percentages of my revenues over the past three years and where they've come from, he is indeed my best referral partner, and he's the one where we agreed not to pay each other. That's what kind of got me turned on to this whole topic and what led to you coming on here today. Yeah, and I think that's because you guys come at it from the right mentality. You come at it from the right place. It's a place of helping the person who needs help it's not because I'm going to send you to my buddy because I'm going to get a kickback. I'm sending you to my buddy because my buddy can solve your problem. And that mentality and that, that sense of how you think about things and how you approach things will always come back to serve you, right, because you're thinking of someone else's needs first. When I'm getting a kickback, right. let's be honest, I'm thinking about my own needs first. And so if I'm thinking about somebody else's needs first, like that is how the social currency economy works, right? That's why the go-giver mentality works. I know if I give, I will receive. It may not come back directly from the person I'm giving to, right, but it will right. come back to serve me. And I think that's the mentality and that's how most people, not all, that's how most people actually want to build their businesses. They want to build their businesses with this whole idea that I'm going to help others, right, and then it will also come back to me. And I don't necessarily have to keep score or expect it to be, hey, if I give you a referral, you have to give me one, right? I don't have to pay money, right? There is actually a way to do this, to generate referrals, lots of them, year in and year out, just by shifting your mindset and then having some key steps and processes that you follow so that you can actually put yourself in a position to receive those referrals. Yeah, and and I think, I think that's absolutely brilliant. So what I'm hoping that people get from the past 50 minutes or so that we've spent together and in our last few minutes here is that, again, if you are paying for referrals, you're really doing it all wrong. And what Stacy has given you is an incredible blueprint and set of instructions for how to get people referring you. Uh, I'll give you another example. Um, I um, This is actually – no, actually, no, it, it's current. Uh, it's just we have a different person involved now. Um, I had this one friend who – worked for a company that sold promotional materials for conferences, such as backdrops for exhibit tables, pens, lanyards, buttons, those sort of things, uh, T-shirts. And he worked for a company that developed those types of promotional materials. Now, he's moved on to another career, but it turns out I have another friend who's same, in the same industry who's now in a position to get the same referrals I would have been able to send to my other friend. And I trust, and I trust him as much as I trusted my other friend. So 
when people would post things on, say, Facebook or LinkedIn, and uh, they would say, hey, I'm looking for somebody who can make my lanyards for my exhibit table. I'm at a conference next weekend. Help! Looking for recommendations. And what I would do is I would say, look, uh, look, this is, look, uh, uh, this is who is going to take care of this for you. And I put the person's name, and then I'll put a link to their LinkedIn profile. Uh, and the reason I did that is so that even though I was basically referring a representative of a company, I was creating the connection that I was referring them to a high-level professional who is an expert. So uh, what I did with uh, these two friends of mine is I just made sure that they had their LinkedIn profiles up to speed so they could be you know, my guy that I drop, whose name I drop every time somebody says they need promotional materials. So I would say, look, you know, you know, my guy, so-and-so, um, is in this industry, and he can do exactly what you need. Here's his LinkedIn profile. He will take care of this for you is how I would phrase it. So basically what I'm right. doing is, I'm, is I'm, actually, I'm actually embedding a command and a suggestion that the relationship already exists, and all they have to do is pick up the phone. Yeah, and so you're making that personal connection happen, and you've identified, well, they've kind of identified their need, and you're just helping them find a solution, which is why those work. The reality, though, is I find when they have it on social media, you're going to get 50 referrals or 50 recommendations, right? Oh, right. you're looking for a realtor, and everybody and their brother posts who their favorite realtor is. I find that right. those are actually really hard to actually win business on. So when you can always make it easier for the person to follow up, when you can then connect them over email to each other so someone has control of the process, right, it, it, sometimes it's the first person who answers is the one that wins, and that's not exactly really what the recommendation the person was asking for that they were looking for, but it's typically what sometimes happens. I prefer for those things to happen off of social media, but in this day and age, they definitely happen there. So you have to understand how to position it so that the person you're recommending, right, the person who could provide the solution, you have to make sure you're providing a little bit of context for why that's a great person. And you providing the LinkedIn profile is certainly providing that context. Right, right. So that's, the, so that's some of the work that I did with my two friends to make them more referable. As I said, look, I can, I can put you in front of anybody who asks this question as the guy who will do this for them. And I can give that type of referral. I know you well enough. I've seen your results. I, I believe in you. Um, I just need to know that your LinkedIn profile is current. So could you go in there and kindly put in a nice, uh, you know, a nice summary statement and uh, update your current employment? That would be great. And also a good headshot of you looking directly at the camera with a pleasant expression. If you could just do those three things for me, that would be great. Well, that's definitely going above and beyond the call of duty to make sure someone you want to refer business to is ready to receive it, but I'm sure they very right. much appreciate you doing that because you're right. Most people probably don't, don't do those things and make sure who they're referring to is ready to go. I mean, I find most of the best referrals actually come through email, so there's no other distraction of other people trying to get the, you know, the attention on social media and things like that. It's like, hey, you have this problem. Here's who can solve it. Here's some about them. Here's their information. Right, and then as the person who's receiving the referral, right, the solution provider, I can step in and provide more context and schedule a meeting. And you know, I think that's where the best ones happen. But to your point, you're certainly helping them, giving them advice to have everything set up to their advantage, Let's, which helps you. I know you, we have four minutes left. I know you have a gift for us. But let me ask you one other question, and let's just think about this, Stacy. In light of everything you've shared with us today, think about what my two friends did to get me to the point where I was willing to actually coach them on how to become more referable. 
It's the stuff that you have shared with us today. They did that to get me to that point where I was willing to actually show them how to be more referable. My guess is they probably took care of you, and they probably yes. showed you gratitude. Exactly. That's yep. exactly what they did, exactly what you've shared with us the entire hour. So I understand yep. we're near the top here, and you have something to share with us. Take it away, Stacey. Yep. Yeah, thanks. So, you know, I put together just one page that people can go to, your listeners can go to and check out a few things I think you need to kind of start down this journey of generating referrals without asking. And one of those is I want you to download the seven deadly sins of generating referrals. It's the big no-nos. We've talked about two of them, asking and paying, but there are a few other ones that you want to make sure you're not doing. So I'll give the link in a second, but you can download that guide, the seven deadly sins of generating referrals. You can also uh, join my free Facebook group called Referrals Without Asking, which is just a community of other business professionals who don't want to ask, and we talk about things to do instead of asking. And then, of course, there's a like quiz. And this is yeah, this is probably most important. It's probably a quiz I want everyone to take. It's called the Referral Ninja Quiz. And you'll discover, as you answer these nine simple questions, you're either going to be, this is going to test your skill and your ability at generating referrals. And so it's the Referral Ninja Beginner, the Referral Ninja in Training, and the Referral Ninja Master. And if you are a master, welcome to my level. It's an excellent place to be. I want everyone to eventually be there. But understanding what level you're at, I'll provide some additional resources as a follow-up to help you understand how you move up to the next level if you come in as a beginner or in training. And even us masters can still tweak what we're doing. So there's some resources for masters too. But just some great content for you guys just to kind of say, do I want this to be a part of my business strategy? Do I want to generate referrals without asking? What's this look like? And so the page where you can find all that information is growthbyreferrals.com forward slash business creators. I love that. Let me just repeat that to everybody. It's growthbyreferrals.com forward slash business creators. And followers of the Business Creators Radio Show know that all of our guests have profiles on businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And you can go to Stacy's guest profile, and that will be the link to her website. So you can go to growthbyreferrals.com forward slash business creators. And what's been very exciting about today is this topic of people doing what I call weak-ass referrals is such a problem in the marketplace. And that's why I was so excited to bring Stacey Brown-Randall on today uh, to sort of give me some backup in what I've been saying all along here. So, Stacey, thank you so much for everything you've shared. It's been an honor and an education. Well, thank you, Adam, for having me. And I appreciate the fact that we think the same and that I was able to provide some additional context and education for your listeners. I And believe me, we appreciate it. So thank you very much. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.